Greg Masters reporting from Exponential Medicine here in the beautiful Hotel Dell 2017. My privilege to introduce you to Dr. Raphael Grossman, who's a general surgeon and an early adopter in social media as well as some of the tools like Google Glass. Hi, Raphael. Hi, Greg. Pleasure to be here. Good to see you in person today. And uh, so let's start with a little bit about you. You're a general surgeon and you've been drawn to technology. Talk a little bit about that process for you, where to begin. Yeah, I'm a general surgeon. I do, uh, I'm a trauma surgeon. I do trauma and critical care. The other half of what I do is uh, non-emergency stuff, like elective surgeries, general surgeon, uh, bread and butter surgery. Uh, but also I've uh, uh, been doing uh, advanced laparoscopic surgery and robotic surgery. So all those uh, technologies in surgery, used in surgery, make me a little bit of a, of a technophile, you know, because we need those tools to do a better job as surgeons. And that's probably where the sort of the background, the affinity for, 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 for technology comes from. And uh, I've been lucky enough to, to evolve a, 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 in a way that a, makes me closer to the use of this uh, exponential a, a technologies in order to do a better job and I just care for patients but a better job educating the future generations of physicians or providers as well as uh, patients and uh, patients families so I really think that technology uh, used in a smart way allows us to communicate and uh, connect better and those two things are really the, the main problem I think the main reason why healthcare is in the the somewhat disastrous state that it is today in the year 2017 in most or all over the world, but especially in places like the U.S. where we should have an, a health care system with the technologies available today that, that we can't even imagine and, and we don't. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that in a minute. I want to ask you first. I hear an accent, and you're not from Brooklyn or a Southie. Where's that accent from? I'm Venezuelan. I'm from Venezuela. I I, grew up, born and grew up in Venezuela. Went to med school in Venezuela. Uh, Very proud of that. And uh, after med school, seven years of med school, I did uh, the one year of rural a service that you have to do as a, as a payback to the society to the because med school is free a sort of a socialized in a way education the, the way it should be I think and then a, I, I did a year of rural practice then I got my diploma and then the second year after that I was working I was learning English and I was then also studying to take my boards because I wanted to do general surgery but I wanted to train general surgery in a place where I could really reach for the stars in a way you know I chose the United States and I really wanted to to train uh, the best way possible and to do that I had to go through a lot of uh, hoops that uh, I I did and then I went to Ann Arbor Michigan well I went to Chicago for a year uh, continued to learn my English and uh, getting into research and getting to know the system and then I applied uh, to a residency and I was in Ann Arbor Michigan doing my residency in general surgery for seven years and a few months after I finished my residency I went back home uh, with my wife and three kids and I tried to go back home to where I was going to spend the rest of my life, I guess. But, but you know, things had turned uh, a, a different uh, for, for many reasons, you know, the, a different podcast, you know, different uh, a, a theme. But uh, I ended up uh, a, with a lot of opportunities to come back to the States. And, and then my, my wife and I decided to come back. Uh, we love New England, so we... we selected a few places that were and I ended up in Maine which is where I've been for 14 years 
Uh, as far as the Venezuelan situation, unfortunately, it's got from some uh, suboptimal to worse right now, and it's really, really a sad situation. It is. It is. It's, you know, when we got back, it was sort of the beginning of the end. I call it because uh, it, it was a process that it, it, we, we could. We luckily we had the vision. You know, my wife and, and I had the vision of, of what the future is going to bring for not for us, for our kids. And, and, and despite all our families being there, we took the hard call the hard decision made the hard decision to 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 leave and you know these days you know you leave and you still see them and they come and go but it's turning to a to a point where, where it's very hard to to be able to even go back you know for safety and for for many other reasons so uh, you know everything goes in a circle i believe that uh, strongly and our circle is is not complete yet it'll be it'll get better you know we have a beautiful country we have an amazing uh, human resource uh, uh, amazing uh, natural resources you know the, the largest uh, oil reserves in the in the world <laughs> and uh, we have not used that in a wise way it's like using technology in a smart way we haven't used our potential or our, our, our resources in a smart way to be what we could be you know in the 50s the bolivar which is the currency in venezuela was above the dollar as they preferred for about three years so people would buy bolivars rather than dollars imagine that and now where we are you know it, it's pretty sad but anyways we took the, the jump and and uh, it was good in a way because i think that i've developed my potential or are yeah, i'm developing my potential much faster at least than i could do uh, could have done there and also uh, spread out you know the, the the not you know personal gain is really spread out what i could do to help uh, in a much better way living here and developing here uh, than i could have done staying there so you put down roots in Maine. Uh, why general surgery? What drew you to trauma? Well, I'm, I, I, my, my father is a surgeon, but that we're eight kids, and I'm the only one in, in, in medicine. So I don't think it was my father, but I just wanted to. Uh, I've been always uh, uh, keen of, of using my hands and and you know tools and technology and doing things and you know getting results quickly. And you know I I, I went from from wanting to know everything and be let's say an internal medicine doctor that idea, of, then to to liking kids and wanting to be a pediatric uh, fellow, you know, a specialist and then thought maybe emergency you know you kind of take your problems and save lives and and then i kind of at the end uh, almost of med school i thought you know i really want to be a surgeon i mean surgeon you can you can surgeons you know we, we think we know everything too but but uh, you know it, it's it's a, a, a you, you don't have to limit yourself and and i really wanted to be able to 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 have a an impact quickly you know on some things that if you're not a surgeon you can't you know uh, you know operations and, and and advice and prevention all those things are very important and trauma is something that i got drawn to maybe because where i grew up you know and uh, and uh, so uh, uh, and then laparoscopy was added on when I was in Chicago, was uh, in the animal lab in Chicago. Unfortunately, we were using animals still back then, doing laparoscopic surgery in dogs, you know, in canine models, uh, doing uh, resections of colon, uh, uh, you know, segments of colon or bowel, and then putting them together laparoscopically. We're talking in the 90s, in 1993, you know, when laparoscopy was barely people, barely humans were getting cholecystectomies and were doing colectomies in dogs. And then robotic surgery came along, and I did a program in um, Beth Israel, sort of a mini fellowship for 10 weeks in advanced laparoscopy. I did the Top Gun program with uh, with uh, James Butch Rosser in Beth Israel in New York, and that exponentially opened up my eyes on how to, you know, do minimally invasive surgery. And then ended up in Maine and started. Uh, I was the third surgeon in the program where I am now, and I wanted to be in a place that was raw, 
that we could create to what we wanted to create and we were the first program verified by the American College of Surgeons in trauma in Maine ever we did that and then developed a program that has acute care surgery and trauma as the backbone but also almost a third of what we do is elective surgery and laparoscopic advanced laparoscopic robotic surgery so it's pretty pretty rewarding in that sense you know but not completely rewarding because I've had this parallel life of me which I do uh, luckily not out of, 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 of the need because I do have a, a day job in a way which is day and night job being a full-time surgeon but also uh, in my time off and I've been juggling the, the, the time and it's difficult sometimes to become an innovator uh, sort of a radical exponential thinker and influencer and active in healthcare social media and uh, trying to you know to to preach out you know the the, the power of technology used in a, in a wise way in a smart way to change how we do healthcare and teaching uh, healthcare so. so just for context purposes uh, so, um, um, a um, community hospital regional medical center teaching affiliate what's what's the yeah we, we have a, a tertiary care center in, in Bangor Maine it's uh it's and all everything that I do just just for the records you know it's it's, it's uh, uh, in digital health and it's also my own I'm a full-time employed for them but uh, a, the hospital is a tertiary care center, about 400, 450 beds. It's a center of reference for two-thirds of the state of Maine, and that's a, an area larger than New Hampshire, Vermont, and Massachusetts altogether. Uh, you know, Maine is a very large state, uh, only 1.5 million people, I guess. But, but uh, uh, you know, we have three Da Vinci robots. You know, that tells you all. So it's a very, very high-tech-oriented uh, place. Excellent. So you get on staff at this uh, hospital. Um, you go about your business as a general and trauma surgeon, and somehow you stumble into the world of social media and Twitter specifically. Talk a little bit about that journey, and then let's get to the Google Glass story. Well, you see, I um, I remember in, in 2011 when the iPhone 4 came out, I had an iPhone, and uh, so I got the news about the new platform and the new apps and FaceTime, which doesn't allow you to basically talk to someone by video like, like Dick Tracy did on his watch, you know. And then I saw, wow, you know, I've been helped uh, developing the uh, telemedicine program at East Germain. I come from Venezuela where I have a TEDx talk that I did in Bermuda that tells a little bit of how I think my time in the Amazon doing my rural service in a way seated this this uh, this uh, on me you know about connecting and and having the the, the expertise of someone uh, you know helping you take care of patients but in any case i um, then uh, uh, well i thought wow this would be great instead of using this hundred thousand dollar system for telemedicine why don't we just use phones and then uh, that migrated to well phones are expensive why don't we use ipod touch that is the same as a phone you know in, in a way in regards to video and wi-fi connected and you have to pay for the cellular service and whatnot so i started debugging my my hospital about that and finally we opened up a pilot program and uh, we uh, selected a few sites uh, we had about three or four sites for telemedicine and we grouped to about seven and then we I personally and, and, and the team delivered some uh, uh, iPads and iPod touches to this and created sort of a, a, a protocol a pilot program to do acute trauma consultations on a little device rather than the big camera you know the big systems and uh, you know mobile all with you they want you and they beep you and you just open the camera boom boom and you're connected with the with the provider or so that uh, kind of uh, got into the radar of the local TEDx uh, uh, ecosystem in Maine TEDx Dirigo 
and they asked me to do a talk and I did and I felt wow this is amazing how can you communicate how communicating an idea you know worth sharing which is a motto of TED as you know it has such an impact and potentially you know limitless you know advantages so I started doing Twitter oh you gotta do Twitter so and I use Twitter and LinkedIn for really for for healthcare related digital health social media I don't, I don't even have uh, Facebook you know I'm, I'm reserved in that way I think that you know my private is my private life but but uh, then the power of social media Twitter LinkedIn and others you know and uh, to, 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 to really get your voice out there and also to learn from out there you know that I thought that was uh, incredible and then I started doing more and more Twitter more and more LinkedIn getting connected and then uh, learned about Singularity University Daniel Craft then uh, for two or three years I kind of explored doing the exponential medicine uh, version of Singularity it was called Future Med as you know that's where we met right and uh, uh, one year I said you know I gotta do this so I did it I, it was an investment you know it, uh, but it changed my life I, then I went to this it, it was a little bit very different to exponential medicine it, it, less of a conference more of a, of a, of a program of a, of a fellowship or a masters you know for seven eight days 90 80 90 people were there like being bombarded with exponential ideas in healthcare how to transform healthcare and uh, a, a, one of the technologies was Google Glass and when I saw that it was the same a, a click in my brain as when I saw FaceTime, you know, in the in the iPod. I said, "Wow, this can." So I I, I nailed the the back Parvis, the one of the inventors of Google Glass, and a few months later got a Google Glass in the, one of the first ones. Uh, you know, a group of explorers, a couple thousand people, I think, in the world had Google. So I got one, and then my argument was about doing telemedicine and integrating the medical record to this little rear view mirror you know in front of the face and and the potential I thought was unlimited and then I ended up doing an operation with Google Glass which was the first operation ever and it was simple I did the operation I got permission from my patient and the family and, and the team and basically uh, did an operation the same way I always did it but instead of the students being right behind me trying to see what I was doing they were sitting you know next door you know looking at my perspective of things, my point of view of things, uh, talking to me, answering my questions, asking me questions. And I thought, well, that's good. So I, I wrote a little post about that in a humble blog that I had before. And uh, my friend John Nosta from Nosta Labs, uh, he said, can I write a little? Uh, yeah, sure. And he did. And a couple hours later, I guess he had a few thousand hits. And this kind of started this snowball of, 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 uh, of uh, wow, this is amazing. And then I became sort of slowly a more active person in the sphere of uh, innovation and healthcare and and being a keynote speaker, always looking for places where I can go and do deliver uh, keynotes uh, to, to, to impact. You know, I don't do it as a, that's not my business, I'm a surgeon, but I think that I have the responsibility to tell about the potential of technology to have things be better with, than what they are now. So. And that really feeds your mission about better connection, better communication, better outcomes. Absolutely, 100%. So let's talk about exponential medicine. So. Uh, um, you're an expert, you really are, in this space, uh, pioneering technology into the clinical setting. So we hear a lot about AI, VR, uh, machine learning, blockchain, all this stuff. How are you assimilating it, and where do you see the most practical applications in the clinical setting or even on the analytics outcome side? Yeah. 
Well, there are so many technologies out there, as you know, that uh, that uh, are very well explained and, and uh, described in exponential medicine. And that's the reason to come, because you really get exposed to this amazing stuff that's happening out there. And, uh, you know, from, from our, our, our talk, it was mostly focused to, to VR and AR and mixed reality and uh, how these platforms have the potential to make health delivery, healthcare delivery, uh, and education of health care uh, much better than what it is now. Uh, I think that uh, there's certainly, these are tools that are going to be ubiquitous, are going to be used commonly, as common, uh, as common as the phone is used right now, not maybe substituting older technologies, but augmenting those technologies to make the process better. So, uh, um, you know, augmented you know, artificial intelligence, AI or augmented intelligence, as some people, including me, call it, um, robotics, you know, blockchain, you know, how do these technologies can be applied to make healthcare better and education better? Well, it's just a matter of, of, of just having a little bit of imagination. I think the only limit is our creativity, really, to how we can use these things. Uh, augmented reality, uh, augmented intelligence in healthcare, it's, a, it's a, the potential of that, the possibilities of having a system that is better than you at looking at things, at remembering things, at analyzing things, at coming to conclusions based on numbers and objective data. Why not? Am I going to be out of a job? No, not at all. I'm going to be able to be better human doctor, have more time to be what a computer cannot be, empathetic, sympathetic, you know, hold your hand, give you a hug, cry with you, laugh with you, while not having to remember what the drug that is best in the latest, uh, you know, analysis for whatever disease. So I think that technology empowers us to be much better humans. And yeah, you're going to, many professions within healthcare and professions in general, in any discipline within healthcare, many pro professions are going to be faster changed by the use of technologies like this. But uh, I don't think that, you know, uh, we're going to have to evolve. Just like technology evolves, you know, human uh, 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 processes will have to evolve and, and we'll, at the end, end up with a better product, I think. And I think you had mentioned that uh, Google bet on the wrong vertical for the glass product. In fact, had it been nested inside the enterprise, i.e. specifically, let's say, the OR, they might have had much greater traction, faster iteration on the product, and greater utility for the surgical community? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a marketer, you know, I'm, I'm just a surgeon, but I, I don't even you know, have an opinion about that. I, I thought the Google Glass Explorers program was brilliant. You you select a bunch of people in different fields and, and ask for arguments to why you, you, you can, you, you're you allowed to buy one of these devices, and then, you know, come up with, with the case scenarios, you know, for using the technology in, in any discipline out there. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to to understand why it wasn't a, a, a success. I, I always think I, mean, I see Google Glasses, the the Model T. I always say of 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 smart glasses or, or of head-mounted computers. Model T, like the Model T, was the first. Now you have Tesla, but Model T is not a failure. It was just sort of the first step in the process of developing to get a, a you know a, a high-end car like we have now. I think you know after Google Glass, yeah, there was a lot of bad press. I think there was a lot of a, 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 an uninformed bad press or bad publicity a, a, about Google Glass and privacy and whatnot. You know, I, 
it's like the phone. You can be filming. It's not the technology. It's not the hardware or the device. It's the human using the device that is really ethical or unethical. And I think that that was the case with Google Glass. But for whatever reason, Google Glass certainly went uh, kind of down. People say it is it, dead. It's definitely not dead. Google Glass is thriving in the enterprise and specifically in healthcare. There's a few companies out there. You know, you look at that Stry in Spain. It used to be called Droiders. You have AMA in France and the U.S. You have Augmedics. You know, I met the Augmedics founders, uh, 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 by the way, of Omero Rivas, uh, uh, innovation officer in Stanford, a friend of mine, surgeon, innovator uh, from Mexico, originally like, like I am from Latin America, and uh, uh, Omero uh, uh, over sushi after I had presented a, a talk on mobile uh, health uh, platforms uh, for his MOOC in Stanford, met these two you know, uh, gentlemen, young guys who had this idea, and I signed the NDA right there at the sushi place, and they told me about their idea for using Google Glass for a virtual scribe, and I thought it was fantastic. Four years later, look at them, they are in, I think, 18 hospitals, 19 hospitals in the U.S., using the technology in a smart way to making the process better. You know, they have a virtual scribe sitting in, in the U.S. somewhere or in Bangladesh, I think they are, and they are your personalized scribes populating the medical record that we all need to populate, but rather than having me do it or write down everything I say or, or see, they are doing it in live streaming and then it's all protected, it's all HIPAA compliant and whatnot, they have a nice business model, and then what you do is you put the thing on the device and just be the best human doctor you can be without having to do anything with data, or with recording or writing anything down, and at the end of the day, you go down or you know, go to the medical record, it's all there, you just edit and sign and go to the next page, you know? And it's not artificial or augmented intelligence, it's human intelligence on the other side writing down everything you say and it's personalized so you can you know it learns from you the more you use your personal scribe the more it's like your friend and you know puts things in the chart as you would do it so love your enthusiasm let me ask you this as an early adopter in these technologies were you a beacon to other of your colleagues uh, or did they kind of look at you as a uh, unique species <laughs> uh, that's a tricky question I think because because I think uh, it, it's hard you know I talk about the three pillars of, of uh, 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 you know, uh, of uh, obstruction to what we do. You know, uh, in, in in many things, but in digital health, I think uh, uh, you know we have cost. You know, the economics of, of it. We have uh, a cultural education. You know, of, of everyone in regards to the new paradigm shifts. You know, and then we have regulatory. Uh, barriers, depending on where you are, but there are always some type of regular, too much regulatory and not regulatory is, is as bad, you know, but it's hard to be in in the middle and uh, I think that, uh, you know, uh, culturally or education-wise, it's hard to, to be sort of a, too much of a disruptor, you know, uh, people talk about disruption and, you know, I, I love the, the Eric Top also, the creative disruption, I try to be a creative disruptor in a way. Uh, someone, uh, my brother actually told me once that he met Nicolas Negroponte, the founder of uh, the MIT Media Lab. Years ago, he went to visit Venezuela, and after uh, uh, two days in Venezuela, he said that Venezuelans were uh, had, a, had a healthy disrespect for authority. And I think that's what it, it is. He nailed it, you know. It's, it's got to be Nicolas Negroponte to nail it, because I think that's true. Uh, uh, but it's hard to... I, I want to see myself as a beacon, if not locally to where I am, and I think I might be a little bit, uh, certainly not within the hospital maybe, or within the community, but certainly in the state, uh, uh, certainly in the region, and you know, in the world. I mean, I, I've had so many people that have uh, reached out to me, and people that I have reached out to, to, to 
exchange information, ideas, passion that that I, I just want to say that 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 it has been fantastic and much much good than bad in almost always. Well, there you go. I mean, in in this community, you have uh, most of the DNA of the doers are people who subscribe to the "tis better to ask for forgiveness than permission" camp. My motto. <laughs> <laughs> so let's conclude with this. Uh, uh, what do you? What will be your? Uh, you just finished a breakout session with uh, Brennan Spiegel yeah. on VR. Well, yeah, and, and uh, tell us a little bit about basic themes there, and then we'll wrap it up. Well, in regards to AR and, and VR and mixed reality, I, I think the, 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 the possibilities are really endless. Really, we're seeing the tip of the iceberg. I think it's just a communication tool, a connecting tool that that is going to be very, very, very common within five years. You know, we talked about creating, you know, a virtual reality a, a, a libraries, you know, like a VR Netflix type uh, library to of procedures, of, of procedures from, from complex surgical procedures to simple procedures to uh, not just talking doctors, but talking nurses, talking patients, you know how to take your drugs, how to put this bandage on, how to uh, care for your cast, or uh, simple things. Teaching, c- communicating, and connecting ideas and people using these technologies is 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 is, is the future for sure. And uh, everything, uh, you know, hardware and software based is, is just getting better. I mean, exponentially, you know, redundantly saying, but exponentially better, cheaper, smaller, faster, sexier. You know, all these things are are really. I sometimes think, you know, five, ten years from now, we're going to laugh at how we say, oh, you know, you think this is going to catch up? Well, of course it is. You know, it's it's like just the evolution. You know, I love the evolution with an R before it. You know, the revolution is really the evolution. Sometimes it's so exponential that it looks like a revolution, but, but um, that's where we're going. So good thing, bad thing from a technology standpoint. Some people think technology creates distance between the practitioner, the healer, and the patient. What's your take? Well, I think it's really a, a, about the user. You know, it's a, I think technology is completely the opposite. I think it's something like Google Glass can a, make our interaction more direct. I'm looking at your face. I'm looking at your eyes. I only look at the glass screen when I need to look at that rear view mirror information behind me. But uh, it, it has the potential to really make us closer and uh, you know we talk about uh, empathy we talk about sympathy uh, we had a session at exponential medicine that was phenomenal you know talking about the the, the hashtag uh, empathy deficit I think one of the worst things in medicine today uh, not just in the, the acting of medicine healthcare but the teaching of medicine is the lack of empathy you know the, the, the best way to become a provider a physician or a nurse is becoming a patient being the other person's shoes and really what kind of care would you provide if you were in in those shoes and I think that technology helps us do that there are actually VR tools that allow you and, and AR tools and other tools that allow you to to hack into your own body and become the patient so, to me they they, they you know that, that'd be an awesome tool in medical education to have the student you don't want to make the student sick but you can make them almost feel the same symptoms by ways of uh, electricity or pressure or VR and AR so that they can really feel how it, how it feels, you know, to be ignored or to be, oh yeah, I'll, I'll be back in five minutes and you never come back or, you know, cutting the patients off after 17 seconds, you know. I, I think that uh, there is a great potential to technology being an enabler of empathy and human interaction. 
And in our cathedrals of medicine, we, all, we often create silos and moats between ourselves and our patients, and empathy is no, nowhere found in sight. There's an excellent YouTube video by the Cleveland Clinic on empathy. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it, and it's something that, that is so important. You know, it's so important. I cried with that video. <laughs> yeah. Very powerful. Dr. Grossman, thank you for spending time with me. I am, uh, I am privileged and honored to call you a friend and a colleague in this space, and I uh, hope to see you again soon. Thank you very much, Greg. My pleasure, really, an honor. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.